This is Purple Radio On Demand. Good evening and welcome back to Who Sock Podcast, where today we'll be discussing Martha Week. Why? Because apparently Martha's a very good companion. That's what, that's what I've heard anyway on the airwaves. We all love Martha, don't we? I'm going to say that is a yes from the studio. But who is joining me in the studio? Well, I'm joined with Harry. Hello. Sophie. Hello. And, uh, oh, we got another guest. Would you like to reveal yourselves, my, my friend? Hello, my dears. Do you like disguised voices? They happen to be quite important when you happen to be someone's former Lord President. Good evening. I'm back. Riveting. Anyway, so let us do... <laughs> <laughs> Look, I wasn't going to go, oh my God, no. Wow, thanks, Louis. <laughs> I think I'm really funny. So let us discuss, what did we watch in Martha Week? Because we decided to do some of the standout stuff in her era when she crops up and really is on fine form. And we decided to go with Human Nature, Family of Blood, and Reset. Reset, of course, being Torchwood, because we love Torchwood in Who Sock Podcast, don't we? You're uh, saying this like we planned it as Martha Week. That is true. <laughs> it was supposed to be Weird Biology Week, but then we thought, wait, Martha, Martha, <laughs> and then, yeah, it, it culminated. Welcome to Who's Up Podcast, everyone. Now, before I start, um, there has been a massive debate over this, but spoiler warning. Yes. For literally everything, everything, everything ever written by anyone. Ever. Anyway, so let's just talk about human nature and the family of blood. John Smith is just an ordinary school teacher from 1913 who dreams of fantastical adventures in faraway worlds. His life is turned upside down, though, upon the arrival of a family of sinister beings determined to find someone called the Doctor. His maid Martha knows more than she lets on. What do we think of this? I really like it as an episode. Mm. It is, like, either my favourite or second favourite two-parter. It's great. It is standout for the era, just because it's just horrifying. The idea of the Doctor being stripped of him being the Doctor. Of course, this wasn't actually an original story. It was not. It was not, yes. It originally, it was written by a guy called Paul Cornell. Who did, in fact, write the episode. So right, who wrote the episode, so, you know, <laughs> same thing with Spare Parts and uh, uh, Rise of Cyberman Agent Steel, one might argue. You know, that's something from a audio book. I don't, that is, I don't mm, think they're the same story. They, there's a lot of crossover, though, I'd say. I've not heard spare parts, so I can't... Even in This, this is the same story, with the same title. This, well, this is half. And there's different... The first part is titled the same I as the know. novel. I, I don't think you can say that two stories which happen to use some of the key parts of Cybermen are the same story, just Cy because... Cybermen? Cybermen. I thought you said Cyberben. I've got a cold, okay, Louis? <laughs> All right, Cyberben. 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 Ben. <laughs> we don't plan that would have made Orphan 55 so much more interesting anyway um, it's really cool that uh, Doctor Who took something from the books and made it into a story particularly the fact that this is very early beginnings of New Who to, to do that and it still comes as a good story I think it's great uh, I wonder yeah. if we'll get any other adaptations of extended media anytime soon mm, I wonder <laughs> Louis you look confused I'm referencing The Star Beast which oh. is a comic strip that oh, is now yeah. being adapted for the first episode of the 
60th anniversary specials. Look, look, look I'm, I'm not as... Uh, look, uh, can you I tell we don't script these? <laughs> we don't script these. We don't script these. Anyway, back to it. Um, John Smith as a character is quite uh, interesting, as they say, because he's just an awkward guy. He's just a very awkward guy. Clearly just going about his uh, you know, early 1910s life. And he's just got Martha uh, as a friend. And of course, Martha knows what's going on, knows that the Doctor needs to be hidden from the family of blood. And the interaction between, of course, Martha and the rest of this little village is quite cool because we see her essentially as an independent person, which, of course, we don't really see, one might argue, until the big uh, finale at the end. So this is sort of the start of Martha really coming into her, her own, I would argue. This is probably like one of the times when Martha is just like, do I really want to stay with the Doctor? He picked anywhere and he took me to 1913 and made me a scullery maid. Like, I would not be happy. <laughs> scullery maid before the war. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I love that dramatic irony, though. The fact that she knows and, of course, the family, when they arrive, they know exactly what's going to happen you know, in a year's time. And it is horrifying. that All these boys who are training themselves up to be uh, like good citizens for the country, most of them are going to die. And yeah. even in a few years' time, if they survive the First World War, they might die in the Second World War. So you're, you're really seeing the uh, sort of the just amazing world building, the fact that this is the sort of situation the Doctor's landed in. But Yeah, and it, it does Doctor play Who, with Doctor that Who. knowledge of certain characters over others really well throughout the episode. Do you think the portrayal of ESP is um, done quite well? Because, of course... People with powers in Doctor Who, people mention Planet of the Dead, Hyde, the yeah, New Angels. They, they just crop up every now and then without any real explanation. They're, they're just a bit psychic. A bit psychic. I like the character of Tim, though. Yes. Particularly because you do need someone who's like a bit innocent, a bit, uh, I won't say juvenile, because like, he, he does have that bit of a independence of his, of his own. I mean, he does steal the watch, yeah, doesn't he? He, uh, he does cause most of the issues that occur in the episode but the doctor within the watch tells him not to give it back so mm. does the doctor need a lot of blaming in this episode i mean of course i i think that's what we might be talking about later but the whole thing of the doctor getting rid of the time lord side of things becoming human falling in love is such a I mean, it's fair, it's even in the original book by Cornell. Yeah. So it's definitely not something that, oh, yeah, this is not Doctor Who, this is uh, something you who made up. No, 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 this is originally planned for the seventh Doctor. <laughs> Can you imagine yeah. Sylvester, like, Sylvester McCoy going, ah, and what does Sylvester McCoy do? Uh, uh, spoons. Spoons, yeah. Yes, I've never read the novel, but I feel like this is a concept which works much better with ten than with seven. Mm, I may be completely yeah. wrong, it might work really well with seven, but it... It feels like a Tenth Doctor kind of concept. I think as well, because there is a horror aspect to this. Can you imagine someone comes along and it's like, by the way, you're not secretly you. Like, you didn't know that. I mean, I wasn't just talking about that. I was talking about the Scarecrow. Scarecrows oh. as a concept. Has anyone read Scratchman? It was something I was going to ask. No. Scratchman was the sort of idea of Tom Baker and Ian Marta, where they thought, what if we do like a Doctor Who movie? and make it really weird uh, towards the latter half. And what the main villain, at least in the first half of that script, and of course it was made into a book, are scarecrows. So it was cool seeing, well not really seeing it, it's a book, uh, seeing those scarecrows, and of course seeing the scarecrows we see in this story. There is a juxtaposition in the book, spoilers alert for Scratchman by the way, if you sort of remove their fleece, 
They just die. But in this, they don't really die, the scarecrows. No, no, they reanimate, and it's yeah. horrifying. They're basically immortal, which is equally terrifying. Mm. Well, immortality is something that was touched in uh, this story as well, particularly because the reason why the family want the Doctor is that they can consume him and take all his regenerations. Of course, depending on your interpretation of regeneration, maybe he's got some regeneration left, maybe he doesn't. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, so it's funny what you were talking about uh, immortality there, Jamie, because the way this ends, you see the Doctor... Ooh, uh, uh, the TARDIS hasn't opened, don't worry, I haven't clicked my fingers for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> he snaps, and you see the fury of the Time Lord and all that stuff. Where, like, you know, he's throwing people in stars and trapping them behind a mirror. That's very Tenth Doctor, and also, I think, very yeah. Seventh Doctor. It's the only That's real, the no, no, no. real mm. thing where you can see it's a concept that came from the Seventh Doctor, because that's very seven. And ultimately, the Doctor could have done that all along. Because he, he was kind. He could have defeated them, but he, he didn't. And instead, he puts Martha through all of this. And also <laughs> creates John Smith to put him through all of this. And it... Did he make the right choice? I really don't know. Objectively, yeah. you have to say no, given... Mm he ended up with the worst case scenario anyway that he could have done from the start without the suffering of everything else in between. However, he was trying to make the right choice of not causing these aliens to suffer endlessly and just allow them to die. They, which they wanted immortality. the they, kindest they it, yeah. choice was what he was aiming for, but clearly... It was a bad decision, nonetheless. He does come across very ruthless in this towards the end, I must say. Uh, before we, we, we launch on uh, the Joseph rant, I just wanted to talk about what you said, Sophie, about the horror nature of you've just lived your life, or what you thought you lived a life, and all of a sudden someone, along, someone comes along and says, no, 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 you're going to die. <laughs> That's not... You've you, you, you got to save the world. You're more important you're more, than yeah. who you are. Like... Mm. And the only way to be, like, a lot of people in general have this sort of, like, grandiose idea of, I've got to make something of myself. And then someone comes along and is like, hang on, you were actually that all along, but it can't be as you. You've got to throw away your whole life. And all your memories, apart from the last month, are made up. Mm. I think also particularly that, because, you know, at no point does Martha just take the watch to do it. Even when Tim opens the watch, the Doctor doesn't become the Doctor again. The implication seems to be it has to be John Smith who opens the watch to become the Doctor again. So it's not just a, you are going to die and be replaced. It's you have to give up your own life and choose to be replaced by somebody else for the sake of the entire of reality. I love that scene where he's actually holding the watch and all of a sudden there was like a burst of the Doctor doctor's tones i mean I, you know I, I like ranting about david tennant but i think the acting in this is very very good on his, on his part it, it really is mm. because he does play two different characters and they are clearly two different characters you, you can tell by his voice which one he is also what you said about him having to choose to um die it raises the question of what would have happened had they been successful and not been found how, how would martha have then gotten him to open it 
Yeah, because what would have been his motivation at that point to give up his own life? Could it be argued that all these visions that the Doctor's been seeing sort of culminates into him saying, okay, I don't know what's going on, Martha, you're always in my my dreams, could you help me? And he goes, she goes, sure, here's a watch. And maybe there's like a little talk, oh, you see this lovely journal? Yeah, it's all true, mate, it's all true. That's what I think maybe could have happened, but of course that's under ideal circumstances. But this story's horrible, so that would never happen. I think I saw someone was like, what if he'd been with Joan for like three months? What then? What Would he still do it? Would he have just let? Because if they had kept going, they probably wouldn't have stopped at that village. They could have just like ended up going through the whole of England. It was something like that I thought that, let's say you're a historian in the Doctor universe and you hear all these like strange stories, you know, where creatures coming out of the Thames, and, you know, Terror of the Zygons and uh, all this stuff. And then you hear about, okay, this is the strange incident of the meteor strikes on this l quaint little town in England. People went mad, started killing each other. There was a fight at a school. How the hell are they going to interpret this? They're going to go, oh yeah, this was just a strange incident with... Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I like it... I mean, it's not even to do with history, but I like it when things have Doctor Who explanations. But I don't like it when everything has a Doctor Who <laughs> explanation. So, you know, if there probably is somewhere in the history books about a meteor strike and the town going mad, but that's probably not got to do with the Doctor, folks. Don't worry. Or maybe it does. Maybe it does. Indeed. Joseph, you told me you wanted to rant about something. Would you like to rant about it now? I did. I'm going to do something that I very rarely do on podcasts and do a serious bit. Riveting. Uh, do, <laughs> no, 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 generally, I, I, li I like content. I like content. So, Doctor Who is an excellent show, particularly from the perspective of inclusivity. Particularly during the RTD era, it was particularly good for queer representation and has a lot of queer fans for that reason. However, it sometimes gets things wrong. And this is a very good slash bad example of it getting something very wrong. For those of you who are not aware, I am a romantic, so I don't experience romantic attraction at all. I've never had a crush, whatever. It's, I just don't work that way. So when I'm sat watching the end of The Family of Blood... And I hear the line, Falling in love, that didn't occur to him. What sort of a man is that? Said with such horror at a concept that describes me. It's not a very pleasant experience. I think it's something that a lot of media often gets wrong. It's a sort of assumption of universal concepts and the ascribing of those concepts to morality. But I think, I think it extends further than that within this story. You look at the title. The episode is called, and it's about the first part at least, Human Nature. It seems to me the implication is that there are two sides to human nature shown within the episode. Love, specifically romantic love, and war. And so if you take away the romantic love from a person, then you are suggesting that the only thing that makes them human 
is violence, which is, again, not a pleasant thing. And it, it appears in extended media of Doctor Who as well. I don't know how many people have seen the Daleks animated series, but in there you have the mechanoids and you have the Daleks. The mechanoids being the good robot aliens and the Daleks being the evil, horrible ones. And the only difference between the two of them, the only thing that separates good from evil, is a concept of physical beauty, which again is something I don't experience. And I think... I think it's something which a lot of writers need to take a lot more care about to consider what they believe to be a universal experience and to represent good because they often don't realize that what they think is good is not necessarily something that everybody has and not having it does not make it lesser or less good and while experiences experiencing these things might be considered a positive the absence of them is not inherently a negative and the two should not be conflated I think that was very good particularly and I, I only you, you saw I mean I know this is an audio thing but Joseph saw me get very excited for like one moment do you know what book Paul Cornell also wrote what did he also write love and war there we go. <laughs> there See? we go. That is... Uh, we love podcasts, don't we? That it's is perfect. almost like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Thank God for Joseph. Anyway, now... It's the second time you've thanked <laughs> God for someone today. You, we have to thank people for... people. Thank people? <laughs> We've got to thank people. I'm, got I'm, a person? It depends on your definition of person. And God. Yeah. And definitions. I just want to... I just want to touch off finally what? on um, the move on. Let's move on. The way this ends, I think, is probably the apart from Twice Upon a Time, the only real Remembrance Day reference and I want to say special, but uh, talking point within Doctor Who. Things like Christmas specials and Easter specials and New Year specials. These are things that happen all the time, and occasionally there might be Red Nose Day or Children Need. But to have Remembrance Day is just so. How do I say? It? poignant to have in Doctor Who to actually say yes this is part of British culture we always remember the dead and to have it there is like yes that feels amazing now is it the fact that it barely happens this sort of Remembrance Day uh, reference or or not is it would it get redundant after a while to just constantly have like Doctor Who reference to it if you have any holiday and they can consistently reference it, it, it would get redundant. But yeah. also that like I don't know. It's definitely I don't think I've seen it in any media other than that episode ever apart from, you know, on Remembrance Day. Because mm. I, I referenced Twice Upon a Time because that had the famous Christmas truce, which was, uh, I mean, it, it was very impactful seeing that actually on Doctor Who and saying, like, yes, this is something that I know it's debated on whether whether or not it did happen. But to just just see it being done, particularly in the context of it's a Christmas story, it's about World War One. They d they did it perfectly, but you would don't. There's a way of doing it. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that you have to balance 
very carefully because, you know, as is brought up in this episode, the idea of glorifying war as they do to the children in this episode is obviously extremely problematic and not something that should be done. But also the idea of respecting those who gave their lives for freedom and for the things they believe in is something that is important and we should do. And so trying to find that balance, particularly within the fictional world of a TV show, is something that's very difficult to do. And I think these episodes absolutely nail that balance and do it really well. But I don't think it's something you can do very regularly because of how difficult it is to get that balance right. Mm, I, I would agree. And leaving on that sad note, I think let's just maybe reset ourselves to the uh, the next story. Uh, <sighs> you can't see our reaction to that joke because this is a podcast, but but just, just know that we all... We all have our heads in our hands. So let's talk about Torchwood Reset. Yes, Martha let's. Jones arrives at Torchwood after reports of numerous deaths. Not at Torchwood, just like in well, where they live? Wales. Southern Wales. In Wales. Around the UK, but particularly concentrated in South Wales. Apparently there was a statistically significant thing in Wales. That's that's what they said it they said it in the thing. They did. They did. And yet they only ever talk about the two that arrive after she gets there. All the evidence leads to a company creating a drug that can restore a human being to factory settings with no illnesses whatsoever. However, they might be doing it by nefarious means. Ooh. Okay, so what do we think of this story? I think it's founded on slightly dodgy science. Like, what does factory settings mean? Because, like, when you are a baby, you have... Like more bones that fuse as you're adult. Does it separate those out again? I was also thinking, you know, you polio vaccines and bones? stuff. You know, does that mean the polio vaccine and the MMR yeah. vaccine? Are you suddenly gone? unvaccinated now? <laughs> yeah, because um, they said that the woman didn't have any HIV antibodies in her. Yeah. Blood, so it must Which just you. remove all the immunity as well. Yeah, your your immune system is is gone. <laughs> it it doesn't sound very safe. Well, it isn't. Well, no, no, it's it's not, but for entirely different reasons. Yeah, it's um, as as I think I've hinted, um, I haven't watched much of Torchwood, uh, probably because I've just never seen the the urge to do so. But when I do, I'm like, ah, well, I, that's quite an interesting story. I I really do like this story because it really reminded me of the invasion. <laughs> And I don't know. What, let me tell you. Let me tell you. The whole okay. thing of there is an evil company, and we got to infiltrate it from the inside, and then we've got to get Torchwood slash Unit involved. It just really, it just really reminded me of. I was like, oh, this seemed really cool. The ending was horrifying, but we'll, we'll get to that. I didn't expect that. I did not at all. I, again, I don't know about Torchwood, so he could. Okay, we'll. Get, oh, that bit of the ending, right? I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't talking hmm. about the uh, the weird. Tool thing. Yeah. That, okay. You, know, you mean you mean Chekhov's yeah. medical instrument? Yeah. Like we were discussing Chekhov's gun last week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. The, the medical instrument that can uh, get rid of things behind things. So yes. like, if it, I, it yeah. targets a specific point without damaging anything between and the itself and that point cannot use correctly up until the last moment when suddenly it just works to save the main character. Well, in fairness, he does gradually get, get closer and closer throughout the episode. A learning it's, curve. It's not, it's not totally pulled out of the blue from nowhere. Well, Guns and Owen will uh, talk with later. Anyway, 
I like, as I said, I like it because it just reminded me of the invasion. Apart from the fact that the invasion is eight parts, and this is forty-five minutes and cut. Like, right, we're here. Right, okay. Here's the thingy. Right, let's go here now. I, I spoke with Bertie, and Bertie said that that's just how they did it. It was BBC Three. It was, it was a different time. It was two thousand and eight. Yes, that was only fifteen years ago. It was only fifteen years ago. That feels like a very long time. Mm. How many years in? 15 years. 15 years. <laughs> um, 15, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Torchwood does have a lot of like random cuts. I think there was one thing where they were like looking at a screen and then it suddenly zoomed in and out just to show you something had been downloaded. Um, and I keep expecting the like, you know, spin screen starts spinning, zooms in to change to next scene. It's so... If the story was eight times as slow, like we put it on 0.125 speed, I think I would have enjoyed it. Just like the invasion. I worry about you. I just like things that are slow and steady and there's Cybermen and Tobias Wall and all that. On the topic of computer screens, there's a part where Tosh is trying to hack into something. And tries one password and then goes, nah, it doesn't work. We can't hack into it. She claims to be attempting to use a brute force hack by hand. Yes, I can type all two billion She's just password combinations. Passwords. It was two thousand eight. It maybe was a different time. Got, maybe she's got word per minute of two billion. You never know. Maybe she does. No, she she was really just hoping the password was password. But that was it. When it wasn't, maybe it was. She had maybe maybe they had to do a password reset. Louis, why? <laughs> I just came up with that now. Anyway, Martha interacting with Torchwood, I think, is uh, very good, particularly because we know what happens with Martha, whether it be Contaran Stratagem or what happens with Last Time Lords. Her integration with Unit and defending aliens, it's still there, and she's still got it. But apparently, like, she finished her doctorate, she's an independent person now. It's great to see her again. And uh, did she appear in the next episode? Of course, I haven't watched Torchwood. She was uh, in the next yes. time trial. She yes, was. she sticks around for a couple of episodes. Just bring Martha back. Like, generally, because, just bring her back. Yeah. Because it's quite important she sticks around because Torchwood needs a new medical officer. Why is this, Louis? Well, I couldn't believe this, but Owen died. He was shot defending... Who was he defending? Martha. Martha. He was just shot defending Martha. And then Jack shot the guy who shot him. And it was it was a lovely shot when they moved out. You just see both of their bodies. Yeah, um, yeah. It was just I just couldn't believe it. But then again, this is Torchwood, and I know that other people die. Spoilers for Torchwood. Other people die in Torchwood. <laughs> other people, <laughs> other die. people die. What a spoiler! Does Torchwood ever have an "Everybody Lives" episode? Mm. I don't think so. Yeah, I feel like it always either starts with someone dying or ends with them dying. Mm. Yeah. I think every episode I've seen has the circle Another thing about Martha being there is that it helps connect it to the main show quite well, mm. um, continually throughout the series, rather than it just being Jack. Yeah, um, not just like a vote Saxon poster that's like, oh no, they can cross over. Oh, and there's so. a newspaper with um, the <gasps> mayor from Boomtown, um, which is something that certain other spin-offs didn't do very well. What, what <laughs> spin-offs are you referring to then? <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, other than the opening episode, that could have been an entirely separate show. I do think that's a good thing when spin-offs are regularly connected to 
the main universe and are clearly clearly part of the same universe. I like as well because Torchwood is Torchwood, and particularly, I mean, what we learned about the fact that Torchwood was it Torchwood One was destroyed and Torchwood they, One is yes, the Canary Wharf, mm, and they were sort of a bit nationalistic, a bit like we are Torchwood, we are doing what we want. But then, of course, when we find out how this reset drug is made, it's made by harvesting aliens, and Jack has this sort of morals to him. I, just, I couldn't believe it. Jack, Jack, I this was... Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know this character, obviously. Yes, so... Torchwood fan's going to be very angry. <laughs> yeah, all three of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Bertie. Anyway, and the other two, whoever and, you are. And the other two. Uh, it was quite... It was quite something where Jack says, okay, we're going to put them out of their misery, these aliens who have been harvested to create this drug. And if it was the Doctor, the Doctor would free them. If it was Sarah Jane, there would be like a rainbow in the sky, everything would be fine. <laughs> say, if it was Sarah Jane, it wouldn't be Sarah Jane. She might, they wouldn't know. Know. <laughs> so she Sarah might Jane just adventures. take them all home. If it was, Ke- if it was Canine and Company, I don't know what would happen. But no, the fact that it's Torchwood, there's... They, I, I just can't believe that Jack would let them die. But then I think, oh, hang on, this is Jack. You know, you know his background. He sort of thinks, well, you know, we can't do anything now. Let's just put them out of the misery and deal with it. Maybe I quite like that part of Torchwood. Outside the government, outside the law. Four seasons, I not much of the I think you got that wrong. I don't think you I got, got it wrong. that right. Yeah, it's outside the government, beyond the police. Yeah. I thought it was outside the government, outside the law. Why would they oh. say outside twice? <laughs> Outside the government, right. beyond the police. Because it, it, it's like a rhyme, but the, the other way. The future way. of the human race. The 21st century is when everything changes. And Torchwood is ready. It's different in the first series, isn't it? It, it is. Yeah. Well, apparently a lot of things were changed in the, the first series. Apparently there was a lot of retconning. But dum You're not funny. Rick, no, no, there was a lot of retconning. There was, what? but you're not funny. What was the joke? Do you honestly not know what that? Did you? Uh, is that not a joke? Retcon. <laughs> what do you mean? What's the joke? <laughs> the memory wipe drug in Torchwood is called retcon. I haven't seen it. And it's regularly used during series one. How would I know? <laughs> I give up. I give up. <sighs> anyway, what else do we have to discuss about this episode? Uh, not much. It's Torchwood. I mean, Martha. that's there. Martha's in this. Martha. Yay. And Martha gets sent on the secret mission. And then bad things happen. Almost dies by the parasite being like, I want to get out. And then, thankfully, Owen. No, 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 no generally, generally, you know, he wanted to be free. Yes, I know. It's just your arm motions <laughs> for I want to get out. <laughs> I, I have danced before on a podcast. Remember, it's not come out yet, but it will. It, it will have done by the time you're listening to this. Indeed it will. Yeah, yeah, it was... Of course Martha will be saved, you know, the Chekhov's gun. But there was the part as well where someone else... Was, like they, they took the delivery guy who had been going around sort of uh, sedating or killing... People. Assassinating Did all Did you just people. call the assassin the delivery guy? <laughs> he could have been a delivery guy. He had a, you know, delivering death, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, am I wrong? Am I wrong? I mean, you're not wrong. Louis has just shown Harry something on his laptop, and I don't know what it was. <laughs> something we were discussing before we walked into the podcast room. 
I don't know what's going on. You were there. I was. Yeah. You were there 3,000 years ago. You were trying oh, to convince me. Yes. Some, yeah. Yes. I, I now understand what has happened. Mm. Nothing has happened. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, it was the part where he was going to reveal what the that location was or something like that. And then uh, the, the parasite started to rebel and start to... Well, he'd been he'd been complaining about his stomach for quite a while at that point, hadn't he? Yeah. Mm. Maybe he was hungry. No, he no, had he an alien had parasite. An alien parasite. Yeah, the alien, hung, alien parasite was hungry for death. Uh, what? And it then they try the the zappy thing. the zappy thing, and yeah. then it just goes out and of they his body. His they do an alien, alien kind of. Yeah. No. Although it's not really John Hurt like going. Ah. So You've not seen alien, it. An alien doesn't it like rip Burst. outwards itself. As opposed to this, where Owen uses the the machine and that blows up his stomach, and suddenly it's. I mean, it was going to come out anyway. It was. That's true. Mm. What a riveting story! I can never tell if you're being serious. I'm always serious. Okay. Have we got anything more to talk about, Louis? I don't know. Is this Torchwood? I mean, if I was in a room full of uh, Torchwood lovers, are you Torchwood lovers? Mm. I've watched. Half I, a I watched of it. it once. And I forgot Martha was in it ever. So that tells you a lot. Mm. I just don't really know what to say. I've seen the entire thing. And there are several brilliant episodes. I've heard Countryside, I've heard is one of them. Countryside is incredible. Adrift Were you not here when we watched Countryside? Really oh, no. no. Certainly not. Okay. I've only watched Torture when I have to. This is actually a decent episode. And the few that follow it. From Out of the Rain, or whatever that one's called. Yes. It is called From Out of the Rain. Oh, well I done. It, I got it right. That episode very much spoils something that mu must happen in the episode after this one as well. To be fair, I can't. Uh, yes. Yes, it does. It really does. But that's because it comes after this yes, one. Yes, I know. Yes. Yeah. But watch. I watched it before I watched this one. Yeah. So, yeah. That's true. Spoilers, everyone. Sorry. We, we warned them at the start. It's fine. How dare they skip to 30 minutes into the, the podcast and get spoiled because one of the Their things one of the things that i just don't really understand about torture is that you've got season one which i'm not making the joke but you know season one a lot of it has been retconned to later series you've got season two which people like then season three which people really do like but you have to sit with the whole thing and it's really horrifying and dark and season four which everyone hates so what is it i don't understand why everyone hates series four i honestly think it's all right this fascination it's not as good as series really three it's probably, I think it's actually slightly better than series two, and it's much better than series one. So, Louis, can, can you name some things that were retconned between series one and two, or you just... Uh, Cyberwoman, I know that was a bit strange, the whole backstory of the characters. I mean, it wasn't retconned, though. Well, changed. No. It was retconned in all of our dreams. We wish it was retconned. <laughs> Louis, do you know what the word retconned means? Well, according to... <laughs> Louis is going to look up the definition of the word retconned. In a oh, film, wait, TV series, or fictional work, a piece of new information that imposes a different interpretation of previous described events typically used to facilitate a dramatic plot. Now, whenever you look at retcon, what comes up? Generally, Doctor Who. This is now talking about Wilf's absence in The Runaway Bride. Have and you considered this could be influenced by your search history in general? No. Okay, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> also, that's not how I would have 
defined retcon? Are you arguing with the definition? Yes. Well, I think you should go find uh, Dr. Dictionary and uh, complain. Retcon is explicitly a change to something previously known. Not just a recontextualization. Surely that's what a retcon is. Maybe that's just a word variation. It could be a verb to revise retrospectively, typically by introducing a new piece of information that imposes a different interpretation. But it's not about interpretation, it's about genuine facts. So it's about this thing has been established and now we're contradicting it. Therefore, this is retcon. So maybe that's where the con comes from. Ret contradiction. Yes. It's like it's not retcontract. To retroactively contradict. Okay. But it's not ret contextualization, which it would suggest it's more about interpretation. Is that what you're... I don't know. I've always thought it was about contradicting what came before. Maybe it is just... W- Next week Maybe on the Who's Etymology <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Maybe I don't understand the word retcon. Okay, according to Wikipedia, it's retroactive continuity, which has nothing to do with context or <laughs> It's neither contextualizing or contradicting. So what does that say it is? Um, is that changing A literary device which in which facts in the world or fictional work have been established through the narrative itself are adjusted, ignored, supplemented, or contradicted by a subsequently published work. That's so for what instance, I believed it to be. I mean, would you describe... I mean, the, they use the example of uh, uh, the final problem, um, the fact that Holmes came back. Is that a retcon? He died. No, he's back. Spoilers for Sherlock, oh, yeah, yeah, by the way. Yeah, spoilers for Sherlock. Yeah, I know it's... Honestly, if at this point you don't know that Sherlock dies and comes back, then um, I, I, I don't think you care. I don't think anyone's going to start watching Sherlock this year. Watching? Oh, wrong one. I'm talking about the book. I'm well. talking 1893 or 4. How did we get this yes. far off topic? <laughs> Welcome to Sock Podcast. But let's try to end our lovely podcast with some questions. Now, yes. we had some... Good questions here. First one being, is John Smith really a good man? Well, here's an interesting tangential question to that. Is John Smith the Doctor? Are they the same person? No. John Smith has, like... He's got an imagined life. I think it's it's an interesting question of nature versus nurture and what you are. How how much of who he is is dependent on his experiences and how much is him? You know, you have conversations throughout, particularly the conversation where Joan is talking to John Smith and saying, whoever you are, you wouldn't want these children to have to fight, where it's it's very clearly implying this is the same man with the same morality, and while his DNA and his memories are different... It is still him. And I, th- I think that is a question that has to be answered before we can decide whether or not he is a good man. Is, is he a different man? I see it more the fact that John Smith only really came into existence for a month, maybe two, probably even three. And all that we've been told is that he's been put in a situation and then his life has been turned upside down by saying, Sorry, mate, you have to die. He might have been a good character, well, not a good character, a good man. But of course, when something very important has come into his life, the idea of his life coming to an end, then he starts to get that moral trepidation. But of course, there are other things that the doctor, I mean, 
probably should discuss this. He, uh, well, not the Doctor. Smith was a bit of a mansplainer. Yes, this is 1913. Th th thank you, John. Th thank you. I mean, in fairness, if somebody showed up to you and started telling you that all of your dreams were real and you were not an actual person and were actually an alien, <laughs> from the I future? think you would also probably go... I think you're insane. I'm going to talk to you very slowly because I'm not sure you understand. There is also a point where, what's it? You give someone permission to cane another boy and you look at them and you go, that's very clearly 1913. Yeah. yeah. Mm. That's also true. With how much was he a product of his time? His well, it's not time. his time because it's not his time. <laughs> it's John Smith's the time. It's the, not no, the supposedly, time, the TARDIS just. Went into the database and thought, oh, well, um, according to this, uh, the Doctor Who's made in the 60s. In the 60s, uh, they had some questionable uh, times. I mean, look at the first Doctor. Why do we put him over there? And, oh, he's a bit... What, uh, 50 years earlier? <laughs> 50 years earlier. But also, give it, let's have a think. You know, um, that that line in Dalek Master... Not Dalek Master... In, in Dalek Invasion of Earth, compared with the caning. Yes, but doesn't the line in Dalek Invasion of Earth get said to Susan, his granddaughter... Are you defending it? I'm saying it's contextually totally different. All right, all right. He's an all right man. <laughs> See, when if you're saying he's a product of his time, surely that is based on his memories, which were put there, presumably by the Doctor, or well, was the TARDIS I, and the Chameleon Arch just sort of make it up? I thought that I thought it was just the TARDIS. The TARDIS sort of just went, ah, oh, well, I'm a time traveling thing. There's lots of time. We should go. I know what's good. 1913. <laughs> Maybe the Nothing really bad will happen make. after that. Yes. Did the Doctor decide where to go, or did the TARDIS decide? I blame the TARDIS. You blame the TARDIS, that's fair. If we're blaming the TARDIS, we can always blame the Doctor as an extension of the TARDIS as well. Mm. That's true, we can. Anyway, one word answer. Is John Smith a good man? Maybe. Eh. Uh. Moving on to the next question. Um, we had a question about how does the episode handle nature versus nurture and the theme of war, but we have discussed that a we lot. We have discussed mm. that. I think it does it very well, given what we've said, that it is not a full-on remembrance special. It is not a, like, a proper discussion of nature, nurture. Welcome to Doctor Who. It does it well, but as Joseph said, like, there are lots, there is a, a, a few things that need to be uh, just ironed out. Mm. Yes, it, it does it, I think it does it, perfectly for a TV show. It does it subtly, it does it well. It could have gone into it more, but then it would have been a very different episode and that wasn't the episode they were writing. But for what it is, I think it's done brilliantly. Mm. I would say so. I mean, it is known as one of the best stories of the, the Tenant era. Great for Tenant, great for Freeman Management, I think just one of those stories. And finally, how would season two of Torchwood, and I assume the rest of Torchwood looked, if they'd followed through with killing slash resurrecting Yamto. Spoilers, by the way, but we've said it so many times. That... Yes, so in, in the original plan, Yamto was supposed to die instead of Owen here. I mean, why would they kill Yamto? That sounds, that sounds horrible. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> killing Yamto. Um, I wouldn't know. No, neither would I. <laughs> I wouldn't know at all. Uh, it would mean maybe in... Stolen Earth Journey's End, it would have been Owen instead of Yanto. That's the closest thing I can think of. Yes, I was going to say, I think that it, that implies that yeah, Owen survives and carries on. Would there be an Owen shrine? 
No. Is there, there an Owen shrine? <laughs> there is not an Owen shrine. We don't want to know Owen shrine. I don't want to know that person. <laughs> I don't want to know the person who has a shrine to Owen. Thank you, Sophie. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, I really want. As I say, I really wouldn't know. Writing is writing. There are so many different things you can do with it. Maybe there is. I mean, alternate Torchwood. What if Yanto had died? Someone's probably written that and well, stuck it on a... Presumably, Owen then dies in Out of the Rain. Because he should have died in that episode. Yeah, if he wasn't already true. dead. I think in Torchwood, everyone just dies. I think... I think Yanto gets a lot of development. And n not necessarily actual character development, but we get to see a lot more of his character in Children of Earth. So he, as a character, would have been weakened a lot more from dying here by virtue of the fact that we don't get to see a lot of him. Because at this point, he's still very much a side character who occasionally gets the limelight, but it's very rare. And I think he really benefits from... I think he really benefits from, spoilers, the death of Tosh and Owen. And getting a lot more focus because there are only the three of them left. When does um, Yanto and Jack get together? Um, unclear. It just it's throughout the entire show. It's just sort of going on hmm. to varying degrees depending on who's writing the episode. Who wrote so most of these episodes, though? I don't know who wrote most of them. I know who wrote some of them. Can you name that person? Can we not name that person? <laughs> I don't know who wrote this one. Who wrote this one? Uh, I think I wrote the name now, like J.C. Wilshire, but I might be wrong. That is not something I've heard of. Do we know what else they wrote? Why don't we look it up? More We're going to Wikipedia. Because it. it's it's unusual to give such a well-known, high-profile character a okay, period in a spin-off. Okay. So he's best known for writing it. dramas relating to police and law enforcement. So clearly Torchwood the production mean, just got the most, you know, okay. <laughs> Can you write police stories? Yes. Can you write sci-fi stories? We'll see. And <laughs> and you know what? He it's pretty good. Does he does a good he, job. He does a good job. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not complaining. And let's just end it there because even my time is running out. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Louis, are you dying? <laughs> You're not cutting this out. <laughs> you say. We hope you join us next week. Well, farewell. And with that, I think it's time to end. We hope you join us next week. What do we have for next week, Harry? Isn't it our spooky week? It, it, be. it, it is be spooky able. week. We are doing um, The Empty Child, The Doctor Dances, and The Day of the Clown? Yeah, that sounds very good. Right. Well, I think we'll end it here. Well, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from Harry. Hi. Goodbye from Sophie. Bye. And goodbye from our guest, who I've now learnt... His name is Joseph. Joseph, say goodbye. Farewell. Purple Radio Podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio Podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.